I wanted today to speak to you a kind of uh, encouraging message. Something whereby you might say, if I had an hour or two, don't worry, that's not the length of my message, an hour or two with Pastor Mark, and I wanted to chat with him by our fireside personally, here are some of the things I wanted to say to you. I felt like this message, I was asked to do a, a devotion, and I've kind of expanded it out, was kind of downloaded, and as I, uh, I thought it was for that audience, and as I have Uh, thought about it and mused on it and thanked the Lord for it, I just felt like the Lord says, would you speak this into uh, the life of BCC? I don't know whether you know me, but um, I I trained as a school teacher. And uh, I trained for middle school years, uh, uh, ages 7 through 13. And uh, so it was half primary and some bit of senior school. And, uh, you know, the best age, really. Not the infants where, you know, they have to put their shoes on for them. And not the 16-year-olds who are moody anyway. Just the best middle age. So I did that. And one of the things that that we were taught was is that there's a hidden curriculum. That actually, as well as maths and English and all the rest of it, that there was a curriculum about where you teach children politeness, on time, tidiness, uh, fairness. And that actually the teachers were there to do a job in the background as well. I don't know about you, but uh, uh, my computer... Is, is ba- basically my computer is a glorified typewriter. Let me just explain what a typewriter is. It, 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 keys, r- ribbon across, hit the ink and it types on a page. You still don't know what I'm on about, some of you, do you? Basically, my computer is like a glorified typewriter. I haven't got a clue. But what they tell me is, is that there are lots of programs running in the background that refresh it and keep it going. Have you ever woke up and on a day you think, oh, I never thought that would happen. And something unexpected comes. As if God's been planning some things in the background. I want to talk to you today about God's, some of God's hidden work that becomes obvious. Have you ever been to a meeting and you got like a revelation that was unexpected? You thought, you went to church and you thought to yourself, I kind of think I know what's going to happen. But you come away and think, well, I didn't think that was going to happen. I mean, for instance, I went to church seeking the Lord and I found a wife. (laughs) How about that? I wasn't looking for one. I mean, I'm sure once I walked in the door, she was looking for me. But, you know, stuff happens in church. Now, if you've come today looking for a wife, you're going to get God first, okay? But, you know, unexpected things happen in God and uh, different things. Let me tell you something about the Lord. God is always working in the background. The Bible actually says he never slumbers, he never sleeps. He's actually always working uh, for your life, on your life. He's working Uh, for you. In fact, Psalm 78 says it this way. 
Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons, even from your past stories that you've heard and known. The Lord reveals and opens new things from them. God is doing three important works in your life. And it's those three things that I'd like to just highlight today. And if we were sitting on our armchairs in front of the fire, this is what I would share with you. Because I want you to leave church today encouraged. Thinking, well God, you're on, you're, you're on the case. Not on my case, but you're on it today with me, Lord. Number one, the first thing that God does is that God wants to restore. He wants to restore you. You know, uh, we've had Nick on his bike today, and uh, I've got a bike, and in theory, I ride it. Uh, haven't ridden it for a while, judging by the cobwebs on the handlebars. But when I bought my bike, it was 168 pounds. Okay? After several years of use, I, I uh, had to have it restored because the gears were slipping and, the, and the, the chain was loose. And, and I couldn't have done that, of course. So uh, the brakes weren't working properly. And I had to have it restored. It cost me £240 to restore the bike. It was more than what I originally paid for it. God scoops out a bit of dust and says... That's how I'm going to make man. To restore us, he takes his one and only son who had lived for eternity on streets of gold with him and has him crucified. Restoration is often more costly than the original. I want to say to you today that restoration in your life is going to be costly. And the reason is, is because it's detailed and it's personal. It, it takes attention from the Lord to restore some things in your life. Isaiah 58 verse 11 says this, the Lord will guide you continually, giving water where you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Now, let me be clear what I mean by restoration. Restore means to reestablish the things that you should have or the things that you have had and are supposed to have and God wants you to have them back. You need them because somehow they have been depleted out of your life. God wants you to restore them back to you so that you'll be productive and a well-watered garden so that you can produce again. I, I just had this downloaded into my spirit. God wants to restore some people today with confidence. You've lost your confidence. I remember when Kathy was a school teacher, she had a very difficult triad of three teenagers who were very personal to her and, and usually it never got under her skin but, but somehow it, it, it attacked her confidence for a while as a teacher. I just wanted to do the fireside chat, the, the kind of 
talk to you today of, have you lost your confidence? Has something been said? Has something happened that somehow your confidence has been restored? Uh, excuse me, has been lost and it needs to be restored. Is there some work of God where you need to talk it through with him? Maybe talk it through with some others and restore again your basic confidence. Do you need to remember that Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Is it time for you to stop saying to yourself, Well, I used to do that, but I'm not sure now because I haven't been able to do that. Now, just as an aside... Let me say, if you used to be an evil Knievel stunt rider and you keep falling off and uh, you keep hurting yourself, maybe God doesn't want to restore that back into your life because you were rubbish at it anyway. I'm not talking about that sort of thing. I'm talking about the confidence that you should have in order to live and to breathe and move and have your being. That actually the borders of your life and the walls of your heart have come in. And instead of you extending your tent, you've lost some confidence. God wants to restore that. So you'll need to talk about what you've lost confidence in. You'll need to have a conversation in prayer. You'll need to have a conversation with someone. So decide now, right now. As you sit on your seat, I'm going to get that back. I'm going to ask God to restore me. I used to do this, but now I don't do it any longer. I've lost my confidence. Another important thing that we should have is that we all need to watch our value levels. Some people are quite critical today that we, did, we should be just teaching people about God instead of always talking about us. And of course, we have the greatest person who ever lived in the universe, who created the universe in relationship with us. And actually, one of the ways that we can lift up our sense of value is talk more about God. But I'm just wondering today whether you haven't been watching your value levels. And if we were just sitting, chatting in my house, and you said, Pastor Mark, how can you help me? It wouldn't take long for me to talk about your value. And I wonder how your value levels are doing. Whether they need to be restored back to you. And once again, I'm not talking about ego and puffing us up beyond any sober judgment. But we need to watch our value levels. That we haven't got a negative recording and download in our brain speaking against that which we are. You cannot operate out of a low sense of value in a productive way for any length of time. And so signs of lack of value are, I run all the time away from someone who I think is going to change me. I am tentative about most new situations. I 
think automatically that other people are better than me. When I go into a new situation, I say this to myself, I'm sure they won't like me. Those are all indicators that our value levels are a little bit low. But you know what? He's a good, good father. Come on, church, speak to me today. He's a good, good father, isn't he? He's a good, good father. And he loves you. And you're his child. He cares about you. You know what? He knows every little quirk about you. He's a good, good father. And I just wonder if I can minister and say to you today, let's restore some of your value levels. You know the book that we never read, Zephaniah? Hands up if you've read that this week. Okay, Zephaniah, oh, somebody at the back there, I think. Zephaniah 3, 17 says this, Cheer up, Zion. Don't be afraid. Can I say to you today, BCC, I know it's November. I know the weather's turned. Cheer up. We've got a good, good father. Can I hear an amen from the house? Cheer up, O Zion. Don't be afraid. Verse 17. For the Lord your God is living amongst you. He's a mighty saviour. He will delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all of your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. I will give you a good name. A name of distinction amongst the nations of the earth. As I restore your fortunes before their very eyes. You see, there are some people who've written you off. And God's going to restore you right in front of of them and they're going to say how did that happen and God's going to say that's what I do how are your value levels you know your kids it's like living with lions it's like sleeping with the enemy and they're always talking oh dad you don't like me and those can undo your value levels God wants to restore them to you. The Bible says you should have a sound mind. You should have that. And God wants to restore that to you. A sound mind and a sound outlook. Things that have been said to you repeatedly that you now just have to wash with God's truth. Do you want some things restored? Today is the time to talk about it. Talk to God, talk to someone else. But today, let's talk about it. The second thing that God wants to do is to recycle. He wants to recycle some of the pain. You know, my daughter Leah, you, you, you hear me talk about her with affection and a little bit of quirkiness around her. When she went to university, I told you a story about our thoughts about that the other week. But we noticed something in our patterns of how full our bin was. When, when we had rubbish in our bin, it was always overflowing. After Leah went to university, we didn't fill our bin. What was that about? She was, she was a generator of, of just produce of things. And um, so, some of us, 
we've had lots of stuff happen to us and the only thing we do is throw it away. We we don't learn from it. You know, we can't just ignore anything. In fact, when I was growing up, we never used to recycle. Is anybody with me on that? You used to throw everything away. In fact, one time, somebody took me aside and they wanted to complain about another pastor and I wanted to be a healing bomb and I thought to myself, well, I'll... I'll listen and then put some good stuff in, you know, so that they wouldn't be against him. And, you know, the criticism was, you know what, he doesn't recycle. And they meant, actually, he doesn't recycle. Like, put it in the green bin. How can he be a man of God if he doesn't recycle? I was thinking, this is your biggest problem with the pastor? But when I was growing up, we threw everything away. And now it's like a filing system, isn't it? You put your plastics there, your glass, you you have to do all of that. But you know what? It's true in your life. You can't just, with all the rubbish that happens to you, you can't just throw it away. You've got to learn from it. You've got to recycle it. You've got to turn it into a new perspective. If you've got a Bible with me, and I hope you might be following along, turn to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 31. Verses 11 and 12, because he wants to give us a new mind, a new perspective on some of the things that have happened to you, and he wants you to recycle them and turn them round. Here's what Jeremiah 31, verse 11 says, for the Lord has redeemed Israel. That means brought him back from slavery, recycled their life. He's redeemed them from... The Lord has redeemed Israel from those too strong for them. Some of the things that have happened to you shouldn't have happened to you. They were stronger than you, but God wants you to recycle them. They will come home and sing songs of joy in the heights of Jerusalem, and they will be radiant because the Lord's good gifts, the abundant crops of grain, new wine, olive oil, and healthy flocks and herds. Their life will be like, here's that phrase again, a well-watered garden, and all their sorrows will be gone. You need to recycle your pain. You can recycle it by asking this question. What can I share to encourage those who are going through a similar hard time? How can I use that pain to help someone else? What can I warn people about with the lessons that I have received? What could I say? You know, when I was going through that, this is what I felt like. You can begin to start recycling your pain when you turn it out to help others. In what ways, and now, am I different in a good way because of that which has happened? What ways have I learned now to build and protect myself. Galatians chapter 3, Paul talks to the Galatians and in verse 4 he says this, I tell you, you have experienced lots. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Let me ask you, did you go through all of that which you went through for it just to be thrown away in a bin of bitterness? Did you go through what you went through so that it wasn't meant to help you so that you can minister to someone else? So that you could become a richer person and a different person? Stop pushing that pain down like an old jack-in-the-box 
And for those of you who don't know English kind of traditions, a jack-in-the-box is a toy on a spring, and when you push it back, after a while it just pops up again. Stop pushing it down, but learn to recycle it. One of the most famous pastors in the world named Rick Warren, his son died uh, a couple of years ago. In fact, not only did he die, he committed suicide, which was a great scandal. And Rick Warren said that the worst helped him recycle his pain is five things. I heard him say this, actually. He said, you can use your pain to draw nearer to God. That actually... The pain that he was going through asked him to seek God more, drove him to seek God more, to be a little bit more dependent. God uses pain to drive us deeper, to be honest with him. In fact, Paul said to the Corinthians, we were crushed, we were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises from the dead. Maybe it shouldn't have happened to you, but perhaps through it, you can seek God more. Amen? You can, you can recycle your pain. Secondly, you can use your pain to draw closer to others. It's amazing that when you've been through a difficult time, how you can be a little bit more forgiving, a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more caring, a little bit more understanding. Is that right, church? Don't put the walls up. Don't become fossilized. Don't become uh, like a person who, who has been hurt, who is like a caged animal, and that every time somebody comes near, there's like a, ha! Don't do that. Let your pain teach you that we're all together on a journey, that we're all weak, and we all need each other. God can use your pain, thirdly, to be more like Jesus. How many of you read Hebrews uh, chapter 5 where it says through the days of his life, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. That actually somehow difficult things get into purifying my heart, purify my character, change me to be like Jesus. Don't run away and say, I'm not doing anything with this pain. Recycle your pain. So that you can learn the patience and love and character of Jesus. God's trying to produce resilience in your life. That quality, that quality of where you have to get back up. Anybody who is one at anything is the sort of person who has got back up in life. You may be lying down right now. And maybe you need the humility of a good Samaritan to lift you up gently and put you on their donkey. But don't you go stiff as a board when somebody is trying to help you so that you can't be picked up. Could you imagine the good Samaritan story? If the good Samaritan comes along and the person, he says, can I help you? And he says, no, I'm fine. Well, you're bleeding, you're dying, you're on the side of the road. I'm fine, I'm fine. Stop criticizing me, I'm fine. No, I want to help you. You're trying to pick me up. I don't like donkeys. I don't want to ride on a donkey. Is this the inn you're choosing for me? Man, surely you should have had a better inn than this. I needed a more five-star hotel. You're only putting me in an inn. Don't be the sort of person who can't be helped. Recycle your pain by allowing it to make your character 
something like Jesus. You can recycle your pain to use you to help others. Simply, you know what? God uses our pain as a witness. You know what? The world is not impressed by how successful we get. He's not impressed by if you get a Mercedes Benz or a Bentley. They're not impressed by that actually. All that makes you is a Christian celebrity. But when you suffer well, they look you in your eye and say, man, I want that. They're not impressed by your diamonds or your house or your car. Nothing. That doesn't impress them. We've got a queen, for goodness sake, for all of that. But when you suffer well, when you go through the uncertainty of your redundancy, and you do that well, and you recycle that to helping others and to reaching out and to being a witness of this is how we go through things, then the world love you. Last thing, God's hidden work. He wants to you to release some things. Restore things that you should, should have that you've lost. Recycle things that shouldn't have happened to you, but you can now use them to give you a new perspective on life. But you know, there are some things that you just need to release and let go. There are some things that you should not go there. They just are not for you anymore. They will always make you sad entangled relationships that you think you might need, things that if you go there, they will make you sad. They will pull you down. There is a sense in which the come out from amongst them and be holy is a call to the broken and hurting sometimes. Because one of our weaknesses is, is we think we can change absolutely everyone in every situation and everything. Now, God can use lots of things for your teaching. He can. And we shouldn't be quick to run away from things. But the things that you cannot get back or actually should not get back, that if God gave them to you, it would only hurt you. It is not his plan for you. If God gave it to you or that person to you, that person would bring you down. Because they haven't changed. The situation hasn't changed. You have changed. You've moved on. They haven't moved on. They are not going to move on. They are not going to change. If the world was different and things were perfect in theory, if you were supposed to have it, and if the situation was cooperative and they were cooperative, fine. But it's not. So right now, God needs you to say, be released. Be released. Let it go. Psalm 9 verse 6 says this, The enemy is finished in endless ruins. The cities that you uprooted, Lord, even the memory of them will perish. I believe in that. I think God can do such a deep work of healing in our lives that even some memories 
will fade, that they don't even matter to you anymore. And what you have to do is stop pretending that it's going to work out if only, if only, if only, if the pattern is that every time you go to that person or in that situation, that it brings you down. You're changing, it's not changing, re-released. It's time for some personal freedom in this house. It's time for some people to say, you know what? I don't have to go there anymore. Song of Solomon 2 verse 15 says this, Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. You're about to become fruitful. If you go back there, those foxes will eat all your fruit. Please, Natalie, come. Let's all stand together. Because some things just need to be over for you. It's not good for you. You need a work of release. So say this out loud with me. Restore. Recycle. And release. Okay, now, say it personally. Restore me, Lord. Recycle it, Lord. Now command. Release. You see, you've just been to a counselling session. You've just been to Pastor Mark's counselling session. I've just been counselling you. Now in counselling you do a lot more listening than speaking. God's always doing his work of restoring. Restoring, getting back what you're supposed to have. He's always recycling and giving you fresh eyes on the pain and the things that have happened to you. But I just wonder today if you could just say over your life, release. Don't go there anymore. It's got no life for you. You see, There's an old song that I like and maybe we'll sing it. I'm not sure whether we will, but it says, I've been to the enemy's camp and I've took back what he stole from me. And I want you to go to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from you. Would you just lift your hand with me and say, I'm not letting him steal from me. I want you to stop thinking that the enemy has stolen everything from you. I want you not to allow the enemy to tricking you into thinking that unless you get it back, that things are stolen from you because you're not having it back. The Lord wants you to be released from it. So we're going to sing this song together and I'm going to invite you to come and pray one for another all around the front of this church. And you're going to pray restoration. You're going to pray recycling. You're going to pray release upon each other's lives. And we're going to pray for you. How would that be, church, if we went that way? Let me just show show me your hand if you've been encouraged today. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for being kind. But now it's time for you to be honest. Let's get some things back that should have, shouldn't have ever gone. 
Let's get some fresh eyes on some things that shouldn't have happened. And let's just walk away from some things that are never going to happen. Amen. Let's sing this song together, shall we, before we come and pray.